You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey, and your host. This week we have a very special guest on, Dr. Patricia McConnell. Dr. McConnell is an ethologist and certified applied animal behaviorist who has worked with both dogs and cats for over 20 years. Other species as well, but we're not going to mention those today. She's the author of nine books on training and behavior problems, as well as two critically acclaimed books. The first, The Other End of the Leash, Why Do We Do What We Do Around Dogs? And her latest book, which I absolutely love, not that I don't love the first one, but this is tremendous. It's entitled, For the Love of a Dog, Understanding Emotion in You and Your Best Friend. Today we will be talking about understanding emotions in you as well as your dog and why we just plain love our canine companions as much as we do. She's a dynamic speaker and she's one of my favorite authors. So before we meet Dr. McConnell, let's take a short break to hear a message from our sponsors. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick Dog Boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E dash to dash p-i-c-k dot com pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick a-b-o-n-e dash t-o dash p-i-c-k dot com get 10% off with coupon code petlife hey all you dog stylists are you on the cutting edge of canine design and shaggy chic Groomer Has It on Animal Planet is now casting for Season 2. Groomer Has It is looking for competitive dog stylists with amazing personalities to compete to become Animal Planet's top groomer. $50,000 grand prize for the winner, plus weekly compensation for all contestants during filming. If you have what it takes to be the top groomer, then audition for Groomer Has It today. For more information, contact Catherine at 310-727-3337, extension 71272, or email groomer has it at gmail.com there's nothing like a shaggy dog baby they're shagatelic and this is the place to find out how to have harmony in the household with your pets oh yeah so stop by our pad every week and get switched on baby switched on to the show that's all about attitude oh behave with your groovy host, pet edutainer Arden Moore. Yeah, baby, yeah. Every week on demand on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Dr. Patricia McConnell, who will be talking to us about understanding emotions not only in ourselves, but our dogs. Hello, Tricia. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Pia. Yeah, this is such an exciting topic. I love this topic. It really um, is. It's, just, it's really the core to what, we, what bonds us with dogs, isn't it? Oh, it really is. And you cannot own a dog without saying that dogs have emotions. Yet so many people tell us that they do not. How can we know that dogs really have emotions? You know, if somebody, there, there's sort of that old, historic, very sort of old-fashioned kind of behaviorist attitude. It's like, you know, dogs are just sort of stimulus response machines and, and they don't really have emotions like people do. And, and the answer to that is how could they not? You know, if you look at what emotions are, they are incredibly primitive things. As a matter of fact, what one of the things that distinguishes mammals from some other animals like reptiles is what's called the emotional brain or the mammalian brain. Every mammal has a part of their brain that's devoted to emotion. And so we have the same structures that mediate emotion. We have the same neurotransmitters that mediate emotion. And so it's it basically, if you look at the biology of it, it would be a miracle if they didn't have emotions. Yeah, that just makes so much sense. And I guess a question that many people have, how much are they like ours? Are their emotions a lot like our emotions? Oh, that is the question. You got it. That is the bottom line question, isn't it? Yes. And of course, you know, I mean, we'll never really know exactly. I mean, I don't know. Pia, is my feeling of fear like your feeling of fear or, you know, or happiness or... You know, so we'll never really know perfectly and exactly, but but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be looking at what we can know. And, and basically, my my perspective is that it's it's sort of a glass half empty and a glass half full. There's so much about our emotions, about what we know about human emotions that are replicated in dogs. As I mentioned, the anatomy of what drives emotions. The, neurophysiology, the hormones, our expressions and our behavior. So we know a whole lot of it is alike. And it's probably, well, it's undoubtedly true. That's a great point because I think um, people forget that we have, you brought up fear as a good example of how we all deal with fear differently. But isn't it odd that, um, and people do understand that dogs have fear, but they sort of lump them all together. Like all dogs exhibit fear the same way. As if all people exhibited fear the same way. And so I think, you know, I think the, the question about how much are their emotions like ours is, again, it's half, it's a glass half full. But of course there are differences in that dogs don't have this sort of complicated overlayer of extremely, oh, what, um, rich and sometimes neurotic cognition, you know, that we would have, you know, so some of the thoughts that go along with our fears and our happiness probably aren't shared with dogs. But again, you know, that's, that's a question of, um, of sort of level of, 
of intensity or richness, but not of kind, you know? Mm. Share the basics of emotions with dogs. Yeah. How do we know what emotions our dogs are experiencing? And what are the signs that um, our audience members, what, what can they look for? We know there's good news and bad news, and, and the good news very much overrides the bad news. You can you can learn so much about about what your dog is experiencing by by looking at their behavior and particularly their visual expressions. And it's you know we're we're wired to do this. I mean we communicate. We have this rich social system with our own species, partly because we have such expressive faces. And it turns out the expressions of emotion on the faces of dogs are very, very similar to ours, just remarkably similar. Even Darwin in the 1800s wrote about this. He wrote a whole book. His second most famous book is The Expression of Emotion in Animals and Man, comparing that fear looks the same on a monkey and a dog and a person. Um, So one of the things you can do is, rather than having a sort of general sense of I know what a scared face looks like, is get really specific about it. And, and this was the most fun for me in, in that book you so kindly mentioned, by the way, Thank You for the Love of a Dog. I have a whole set of pictures that compares a, a fearful face of a person and a fearful face of a dog. And you can compare the details. You know, a fearful face, often the corners of the mouth are pulled back. It's called a fear grimace in biology. People do it. Dogs do it. The eyes get really round. People do it. Dogs do it. So... The more you learn about the specific details of how faces change when an individual is happy or relaxed or excited or surprised or angry or scared, the better you'll be able to read your dog. And people, even though you'd think we'd be brilliant at it, there's something about people when you add ears and fur, (laughs) long (laughs) muzzles, it's just... Let me put it this way. We get a lot better with training and doing this (laughs) once we've paid attention to it. Absolutely. And that's such a good point, too, because I know in our Feisty Fighters class, when we deal with dogs who are not getting along with other dogs, immediately we see uh, an owner freeze up, their shoulders go up, everything gets stiff, and it's as if the dog starts to now mimic them. They almost look like right. they're an exact pair. Right. And don't mm. you, I know, because of all the work you've done, Pia, I know that one of the things that you that happens to you all the time is you'll be working with a person and a dog and you'll, you'll look at a dog and go like, oh, look, see, he's a little scared right now. And, and the owner won't necessarily see that because the really mm. subtle signs you really have to learn, don't you, don't you think? Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think that's where your book is very helpful to people. So they, when, when they're actually in the book, side by side, you see the expressions of the dog and the person and it is so helpful to understand Let's talk about a very debilitating emotion, and, and that is fear. What can be done about turning this, or this emotion around? Oh, it's such a good question, because I, I and I'm, I'm glad you asked it, and, and I suspect the reason you did is because you, you know, all of us who are in this profession see fear as such a common source of so many behavioral problems. So much of what is called aggression, as you and I both know, is so often caused by fear. So, so the good news is there's lots you can do. And the first step, I would argue, is, is again, learn about what are the subtle signs of a dog who's nervous or anxious. You know, they're not always cowering behind your legs or running away. They can just, 
close their mouth and start tongue flicking, having their tongue come out straight forward, just a little tiny bit, sort of like a snake, you know? Um, that's a sign of a dog who's a little bit anxious, and maybe a child is coming up to pet your dog, and your dog turns his head away, goes a little stiff, shuts his mouth, and his tongue comes out twice. Ooh, ooh, red flag. Uh-oh, dog's a little nervous here. Maybe shouldn't have the child pet the dog. So learning to read subtle signs of fear is, is one great thing to do. And, the, and, and another wonderful thing to do is to use the principles of classical conditioning to try and change a dog's emotion so he changes his behavior. And just the simplest example is a dog who, say, is nervous with visitors. An awful lot of dogs are just not really comfortable with people coming to the door, especially big guys with hats and coats, right? You know, that's the classic, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe the dog is barking, even looks sort of aggressive at this person, except that the behavior is being motivated by fear. You can use classical conditioning by linking that visitor with something the dog adores, you know. So maybe the dog loves to play, play tennis ball or maybe the dog loves pieces of chicken. And so you can teach him that every time the doorbell rings, it means that he's going to get to play ball or it means he's going to get chicken. And, and the dog can start to associate the emotion that he has with balls or chicken with the person at the door. It's a really powerful, powerful methodology. I know you use it all the time. Yes, yes, I do. And it really is helpful. It it does work. Um, And I think the key also is what people tend to do is they they give that scary person, you know, that, that man with the big hat and the big coat, they give that person the food to give to the dog. And I think that could be a problem. Do you agree with that? Oh, I think it's you're so right that this is one of these things that has to be done right. You know, so a really common thing I've also found is that people will try and get a dog to take a piece of food from the hand of someone the dog is afraid of. And that's just way too far too fast, you know, just way too far too fast. You need to balance the, the intensity of what I call the trigger and the treat, the trigger being the scary thing, the treat being the good thing, whether it's food or a tennis ball or something. So... So this, say this theoretical man who's knocking on our door, he could, he could t- stand at the door, say sideways, and toss a treat 20 feet away from him to the dog, or you could hand the dog treats. But you don't want to, you don't want to push this and go too far too fast. And I agree with you that that's the most common mistake that people make with classical conditioning. Yeah, and if they can sort of remember maybe something that they're afraid of. I personally don't like snakes. It's just me. I've got a fear of snakes. And if there were a $100 bill right next to a snake, I probably wouldn't reach my hand in there to grab it. Maybe I would take a long rake to try to grab it so I wasn't so close. That's a great analogy. <laughs> and so, you know, and you, can, you can ask yourself, like, well, would you take a $1,000 <laughs> or... Ten thousand dollars. Right. Wouldn't it be much? Wouldn't it be much better to um, to look? Have you look at a picture of a snake or a snake across the room, thirty feet away from you, and give you? Oh, I don't know, a really great plate of ravioli. Mm. You know, sounds good to me. So, (laughs) (laughs) so the heck with a hundred dollars. Let's get a great dinner out there. 
a very common myth that so many trainers believe, I hear this all the time, and I know you do too, that if you pet your dog when your dog is fearful, you are then reinforcing the dog's fear, and then you're going to make him more fearful. Can you give us your thoughts on that, please? Well, you know, we were all taught that, weren't we? We were Mm -hmm. all, that was all beaten into our brains. Um, And from a really strict behaviorist standpoint, sort of logically, you know, you could you know, it seems logical is that that um, the dog hears, oh, say, thunder and runs to you and you pet him and therefore you're reinforcing the behavior and you're and even reinforcing the fear. And it turns out, you know, it's just not true. It's just that isn't how fear works. Fear is so aversive. Fear is designed to feel horrible. Fear is designed to keep an individual alive. And, and, and so... Individuals are hardwired to do everything they can to make that feeling go away. And so you can't, it's really hard to reinforce it. You know, you, there's, there's no way you can have petting override, have the good part of petting override the bad part of being fearful. And so if you, again, you get the right balance, you get a really high-intensity treat to a low-intensity trigger, then you're going to get things going in the right direction. So, for example, you have a dog who's afraid of thunder. Before it starts to thunder, if you're there and, you, you know, you see the clouds changing and maybe you can even use a barometer dropping, you start playing ball with a ball-crazy dog or playing tug-of-war with your terrier or, or throwing treats around. I, I actually created a situation in my home with a thunderphobic dog where every time um, there was thunder, I would say, <gasps> Thunder treats, oh boy, and we would run and get chicken, or or I actually ended up having treats in my bedside table, so it would thunder at two in the morning, and I'd be like, oh boy, thunder <laughs> treats, you know? and and so so you you can use this classical conditioning to turn fear around. There's actually I don't know if you've seen it research or Pia, there's actually new research out that people looked at levels of cortisol in dogs reacting to thunder. Some of the dogs were being petted um, in soothing ways by the owners and others weren't. And they found that, one, petting did not reinforce the fear. It also didn't help very much. (laughs) But but I think it helps us, don't you? (laughs) Yes, yes, without a doubt. And, and I, th- I think if probably people think of petting as sort of a reinforcement for a, like a job well done, I hear that a lot. Well, why would I, would, would I reward the dog for being fearful? Again, when you're dealing with fear, say another example is, is the dog barks at a visitor. I think, you know, this is a common one you and I deal with a lot is a dog barks at, problematically at a visitor and then you, you advise them to give them treats when the doorbell rings or have the visitors throw treats as they stand in the doorway and they think, but you're just reinforcing the barking. But if it's driven by fear, you're actually not reinforcing it. What you're doing is you're changing the emotions that actually drive the behavior. And with so much of behavioral change, what you want to do is change the way the dog is, the way the dog is feeling inside because that's what's really creating the behavior that's the problem. So you need to go to the source rather than just treating the symptoms. I love it. I love it. Let's end on that before we talk about anger. So we will be right back after we take a short break to hear from our sponsors. So don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. 
If you love your pet, you won't want to miss the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo, September 27th and 28th at the Kentucky Expo Center. Check out the latest in pet products and services from over 100 exhibitors. Meet adoptable pets from local shelters and rescue groups, demonstrations, and a pet fashion show. Plus, you can enter your pet into lots of fun contests with great prizes. It's all at the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo, September 27th and 28th at the Kentucky Expo Center. Go to LouisvillePetExpo.com for more. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, your host, and joining us today is Dr. Patricia McConnell, talking to us about the emotions in dogs. Before we left our break, we were talking a little bit about the emotion of fear. Now, Tricia, let's talk about anger. Can dogs ever really get angry? And if so, what does it look like and what might make them angry? Or do we even know what makes them angry? You know, that's a really good set of questions. And unlike fear, which which there's really very little controversy in the world of biologists, at least most biologists, about whether dogs can experience fear or not, although just parenthetically, there are still people who argue that, well, dogs have emotions, but because they don't have human brains, they don't actually experience them. But that's that's a whole other conversation. Um, But there's a little bit more controversy about anger. You know, I talked to another certified applied animal behaviorist once about the chapter I was writing and for the love of the dog about anger, and she said, ooh, I don't know if I'm comfortable 
talking about anger and dogs. And I said, why not? It's, a, it's another incredibly primitive emotion. It's probably one of the most primitive emotions there is. It has the same set of or similar kind of uh, comparisons in people and dogs, the same brain structures, the same neurophysiology, the same hormones, and the same expression. So, one, there's no reason to argue biologically that dogs don't get angry. It's such a primitive, basic emotion. It's, you know, fear is designed to keep you alive, and anger is designed um, also to keep you alive. You know, it's basically that somebody's about to kill my babies, and you get this rush of energy. And, you know, when you're really angry, you're just so full of energy. You know, it's about mm-hmm. protecting yourself or those you love or something. And so, so it makes every reason in the world to believe that dogs get angry sometimes. And, and I think, I think the situations in which dogs most often get angry are when they're frustrated. And I think mm-hmm. that's when humans most get angry, you know, is mm-hmm. when they're frustrated. Look at road rage, you know, look at when somebody, you know, you're stuck in traffic and you can't get where you want to go. Or, or and you talk to psychologists or people who work with um, victims of, of um, domestic abuse, and very often the abuser gets frustrated because they can't get what they want. And so... So, you know, what I see, what I call anger in dogs is, for example, there's a dog who's emotionally aroused, he's barking out of the window, he's really intense, there's another dog walking by, and he can't get at that dog, he can't do what he wants to do, and the owner takes the dog by the collar and pulls him away from the window, and the dog right. turns and redirects and maybe bites at or actually bites the owner's arms. I've seen dogs over prized objects, treasures, you know, special toys or bones or something, and you go to take it away, and their face looks exactly like the face of an angry person. So I do, I do think dogs can get angry. I don't think they're angry very much, though. I don't think they're angry anywhere near as often as people are. I agree, yes. <laughs> I, I think that's one of the reasons we love dogs so much, is they just don't get angry that often, you know? Right, right. Well, Bless they're hard. This is a great segue then. (laughs) This is another question that is often asked. You just mentioned it. What about love? Are Are we crazy to believe that our dogs love us? Not at all. Not at all. And is it exactly like human love? Of course not. You know, it, it couldn't be. But is my love like your love? You know, well, probably it's a lot alike, but it's probably a little different. So I don't think it's crazy at all. And again, I'm going back to the biology of it. You know, not it's not enough to say, well, I want him to, and I think he does, and look at how he looks at me. But if you look at the biology of it, again, they have the same physiology that we do. You know, our feelings of love are mediated by two hormones, um, oxytocin and dopamine. Dopamine is that, ooh, I could have danced all night, first date, you know, whoa, <laughs> sort of I've got a crush kind of feeling. And, um, and oxytocin is that warm, gooey, oh, look, I just picked up a puppy, you know, I love my spouse so much kind of feeling. Well, dogs have that too. Dogs have oxytocin and dopamine. Um, They have the same structures again that mediate all these kinds of emotions. And I think as importantly, dogs are wired to be so social. There are very few mammals in the world that are as social as people and dogs. I think that's one of the reasons we get along so well. Uh, you know, that wonderful line about the dog's closest relative, the wolf, the soul of a wolf is the pack, and the soul of the pack is the wolf, is basically meaning you cannot separate them. Dogs are social. They are 
are evolutionarily hardwired to even risk their own life for other pack members, which is extremely rare. I mean, lions are the most social of cats, but they'll walk away from their own babies in a drought if there's no food available. So I think, uh, yeah, I think they could love us. Yeah, I do. This is exactly like our love. No, but but I think there's no question that dogs can love us and do. I'm so glad you said that because if you didn't, I would have to put my fingers in my ears and just go, la, 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 la. I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> I don't believe her. I don't believe her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, it's, it's certainly true that we want our dogs to love us. And I think you and I both know that we see cases in which, frankly, dogs don't love their humans. It's yeah. Sometimes you see bad matches. At, you know, I'll, I'll never forget seeing a just, brilliant, oh, intense, intelligent, beautiful little tiny border collie attached to a woman who couldn't communicate with her. And the dog spent, I saw them all together all day long, the dog spent the entire day looking away from the woman. And it, it broke my heart because they were just, they needed a divorce. <laughs> you know, they yeah. needed a kind, good divorce. <laughs> right. <laughs> because right. sometimes they're the wrong match. But man, when it works, oh, you and I both have had soulmate dogs that we would have risked our life for, you know? You bet. You bet. When it works, it's amazing. Are there emotions that people attribute to dogs mistakenly? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And this is, I think this is part of why some people don't like to talk about dogs having emotions because so often we do get it wrong. You know, probably the most common one that you and I both hear a lot, dog trainers all over the country here, is that I know my dog knows he's not supposed to fill in the blank, pee on the carpet, chew on the, you know, chew on the couch because when I came home, he looked guilty. Mm. Well, that hang dog head down look is probably not guilt. That's what's called appeasement behavior. That means the dog has learned that if he can smell urine on the carpet in the living room, he's learned that when you come home, you're going to get upset. So his head is down like, don't get mad, don't get mad, please. You know, it's like when you want to order off the menu at the restaurant, you sort of change your body language and you say, oh, I'm so sorry, but would you mind substituting all this for that? That's appeasement behavior. And it's probably a little bit of fear sometimes too. Guilt is a really complicated emotion. I wouldn't say dogs never have it, but it requires an understanding of social moral codes. You know, that's pretty, Mm. we're talking about pretty elaborate ways of understanding the world and consequences far out into the future and histories. So I think guilt is one of them. And I also think, ironically, anger is another problematic emotion is that people always are attributing it at the wrong time. You know, my dog mm-hmm. on the couch because he was angry at me. Yeah, like, yeah. What, they thought you should have a trust fund and not have to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I think people often attribute anger to dogs, but but often not in the right way or the right time. Great, great point. I I love it. Two weeks ago, we were honored to have a guest on, uh, Nancy Williams, who talked a little bit about grief. So um, what what is your experience on grief? Oh, I'm just fascinated by dogs and grief. I'm just, I'm fascinated by it because on the one hand, the way dogs respond to, say, the death of another dog or a really important human varies tremendously. I mean, I've, I've been collecting experiences from people all around the world and, and, of course, paying attention to my own family and my own dogs. And just in my own house, I've had dogs who grieved for weeks, um, months, 
about the death of another dog. Um, I have a dog just getting over it, as a matter of fact. And then I've had dogs who seem to have very, very tight bonds with another dog who basically didn't change their behavior at all. So, you know, people vary in their responses to grief as well, or there's their behavioral manifestations of grieving too. So I don't know quite what to make of that. I Clearly dogs can't grieve in the way we do, which is like five years from now, I'll never be able to have dinner with him again, you know? Yeah, or, yeah. You know, that kind of working towards the future. I don't think dogs can do that. But can dogs feel great sadness over the loss of an individual that they love? Absolutely, yes. I think absolutely it's true. Yeah, I agree. And finally, before we end, why the heck do we love dogs so much? Oh, my favorite question. (laughs) You know, and it's not asked enough. I'm so glad you asked, Pia, because it's a biological miracle. It deserves more attention. People risk their lives for their dogs. They did it in Katrina, hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands of them. Dogs risk their life for us. We're members that aren't even that closely related to two different predatory species. You know, dogs could rip our throats out. They got carpet knives in their mouths, for heaven's sake. So it's amazing that we love dogs as much as we do it. And here's my quick take on it. I talk about it more and for the love of a dog, but... But I think it goes beyond that unconditional love that so many of us perceive from our dogs. I think that's really important is that we have this incredibly important sense of being loved by dogs, no matter what our hair looks like or whether we lost our job or not. And I'm not demeaning that. I think that's extremely important, but I think it's more. And I think part of it, again, is this shared biology and the fact that dogs are so social as we are. They play as adults, which is rare in the animal world, as we do. They're so happy. They're rarely angry. And their faces are so expressive, so much like ours, so that we read their emotions. So we have this primal connection, this primal social connection through the expression of our emotion on our faces that we just really can't have with other animals. Well, you know what? You just left me sitting here with the biggest grin on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm grinning back, Pia. (laughs) Let's just all grin and be happy because that's mostly what dogs make us do, don't they? You bet. And unfortunately, though, we're out of time. I would like to thank Dr. McConnell for joining us. And I must admit, I have read all of Dr. McConnell's books and I recommend each and every one of them to my clients and I highly recommend them to you. One is better than the next. I know you won't be disappointed. In fact, you will probably not be able to put them down. Tricia, where can our audience purchase your books? Oh, just go to my name. Just go to patriciamcconnell.com. And Pia, I have learned a lot from you too. So keep up the good work. Oh, thank you so much. Well, next week, we are going to Don't Forget Your Dog, Your Treats, and Your Talk Toy. A special thanks to our producers for making this show happen. If you'd like a transcript of the show or any other shows on Pet Life Radio Network, please go to PetLifeRadio.com and click on Teacher's Pet. Also, if you have any questions, comments, ideas, maybe special guests, particular behaviors you would like to work on, feel free to email me at Pia, P-I-A, at PetLifeRadio.com. Until next time, this is Pia signing off. Thank you so much, Tricia, and thank you for your interest in Pet Life Radio. School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.